just like the whole entire world collapse. Ladies and gentlemen, it's with great joy that I introduce you to our very first guest to the Bucket Drop podcast, a friend of mine who played eight years of semi-pro hockey on five different teams, accumulating 552 penalty minutes, like the fucking goon that he is, and also winning two league championships. A guy who wore a mustache better than Lanny McDonald in his prime, Chris McCarthy. How are you, bud? I'm good. Wow, what an honor to be featured on the Bucket Drop podcast. And the first guest at that. Pretty stoked, I gotta tell ya. So, uh, Chris, I got a little personal anecdote that you may not recall. Uh, on my last podcast, I was talking about trying out for the Warriors, which you may remember because you were a defense on that team. I still remember we were coming out of practice in Messina, and uh, you walk up to your car, and do you remember what happened? It's funny that you bring that up. I was parked beside you, that's why. <laughs> oh, so many great guys on that team. Uh, you know, a lot of older guys that have been around for a long time, played pro for years, and um, you know, they like to play pranks on the rookies, right? So my buddy Mafuz and I were both, I think, uh, 20, 20 years old at this point, and uh, you know, we were the ones that got picked on in, in a good way. But definitely, I was gonna say you guys were the young guys. Yeah, we were the only two 20 year olds at that point. But uh, I came out to my car that day, and my tire was flat, and like I was just super confused, and like right down to the rim. So ended up like going across the street. The guy came over had a pump and like, pumped it up and then went back into practice. So I come out of the next practice uh, the same day and two of the tires, like opposite ones that were not flat before, were now flat. And I was like, okay, someone's messing with me. So I ended up figuring out it was Paul Shantz, um, got my tires pumped up. And then the next day we were back in Cornwall and uh, we stayed over at this little hotel and I wake up in the morning, sure enough, my tires flat. I had to go drive across like a sidewalk to get to a gas station. And, Oh, good times, good times. And uh, just speaking about that, I guess we'll, we'll start the podcast on that note, but uh, what are the best pranks, some memorable pranks that you can think of uh, back in your hockey days? Yeah, um, a lot of them were with the Warriors. I mean, like, the rest of the years I played in the Fed, mostly the guys were around my age, but um, playing for the Warriors, like a lot of the guys, like I mentioned, I played pro and I'd seen a lot of, like, pranks and so, um, I don't know, I got my, t my skates tied together a bunch of times, um, like a pretty popular prank is like putting your laces in backwards uh, so that you can't tie your skates. Um, one time I went out some with someone else's jersey on, like uh, Miguel DeLille, uh, he had like swapped out my jersey for someone else's and I didn't notice, so I was skating around with someone else's jersey on and uh, a lot of like funny things like that, um, a lot of stuff on the bus. Just pick it on the rookies and stuff, but good times. But you, you were a rookie, but in a way you were you were lucky because you guys won the championship in the very first year that the league was there, right? Yeah, we did. In this inaugural season in the FHL, we won the Commissioner's Cup, and that was a pretty cool experience. And you guys won that in Aquasasne, right? Yeah, we won it in front of our home fans in Aquasasne. It was a pretty cool experience. You know, a lot of like 
professional hockey players and college hockey players go their whole career and don't win anything. So for me to win a championship in my first year was like really something special. Yeah, definitely. We're still trying to win our uh, men's league cup there. So that's like our little Stanley Cup yeah. that we're trying to win. So <laughs> Good luck. Ten year in the making. So, <laughs> um, so just to go back and uh, give a little background to our fans. So uh, where are you from and where did you play your minor hockey? Yeah, born, born in Charlottetown, PEI. I moved to Ottawa when I was two. Uh, played all my minor hockey for the Gloucester Rangers. Um, played competitive my whole minor career. And then my first year of um, minor midget, I got called up to play with the major midgets, me and my teammate Corey Cowick. And I was out playing with the older guys, and I got I hit a guy in the corner, and I started to skate away, and he fell awkwardly on my knee. And I ended up uh, tearing my MCL, my meniscus, fractured my kneecap in like six places. So that put me out for the rest of the year. And then I came back the following year to play my my second year of, of midget. And uh, I, I was in Kingston. I still remember it like it was yesterday. I got hit from behind, kind of twisted, and popped my ACL, tore my ACL. So I had a full reconstructive surgery. So that was a really like tough moment in my life. Uh, you know, I went through a little spell of depression because like hockey was... You know, it's in my DNA and it's really who I was. So it was really tough for, to see, like, my professional goals of playing, like, professional hockey go down the drain. You know, everyone's goal is playing the IHL or the O when you're that age. So that was really tough for me. But, you know, my parents were really supportive and I had some good friends. And, you know, my parents were like, look, this is a good, a good thing. Maybe you can shift your goals instead of going to play pro. You can go play college hockey and get your education. And so that kind of, like opened me up to that avenue. So I ended up going to North Country College in uh, Saranac Lake. I did a year there and then I transferred over to a prep school. Did a, like a grade 13, a postgraduate year, hoping I would get some sort of scholarship or some funding to go to uh, a D3 or a Div 1 school. Got a few offers, but you know, the American dollar is pretty high at the time. And I just couldn't afford to go. So ended up going back home to play junior for the Canada Stallions. And then from there, um, you know, I decided I was going to try and go walk on at SUNY Potsdam. But before I had the opportunity to that, I was signed by my good friend Basim Awad to play in the Federal Hockey League, which was in its first year of existence. And the rest is history from there. That's awesome, man. Have you always played defense? I know uh, just playing a, a few pickup hockey games with you that you're pretty offensive. So uh, that's the reason I asked the question. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, no, actually, I played forward my entire life. My grandfather always thought I should have been a defenseman because uh, I was a pretty good backward skater um, because of my size, but always played forward. And, you know, I was growing up, all my minor hockey, I was always like top three in points. And playing my first year of professional hockey, I remember it was like the fifth or sixth game into the season. And um, we went on the road and we were like short defensemen. I think only through, there was only like, two yeah three other defensemen that were able to make the road trip so we only had I got put back on D and we only had four rolling so I played the whole game pretty much uh double shifting and then uh coaching staff liked what they saw I guess and they kept me back there for the rest of the season and I ended up playing the rest of my pro career uh on defense so grew to love the position you get a lot more ice time there's a lot less skating involved and uh it's nice to see the whole ice and control the game from your own end and you know what, I'll, I'll attest to that uh, more ice time thing because uh, I know when you're playing pickup hockey, the forwards don't always come off at the same time, but defense seem to always uh, follow suit, right? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're forechecking and you're hitting and that takes a lot of energy out of you, you know, when you're on defense, you're backpedaling and going back into the corner. It's a little different. You don't get tired out as fast. So so what do you prefer playing nowadays? Just that, just pick up hockey? Yeah, it really depends. Like, I, I like to dabble up and play forward sometimes just for fun. And then other times I like to play D. It really depends on, like, who we've got in the lineup kind of thing. But I don't really have a preference anymore. It's just fun to get out there and wheel around. Who was your idol growing up? Mine was Pavel Bure. Yeah, that's a good but one. But I'm a bit older than you, so yeah. I don't know how much hockey you've seen him play. Yeah, no, that's a good one for sure. Um, my favorite growing up was Wayne Gretzky. Uh, Wayne Gretzky and Joe Sackick. Um, they were like a big inspiration to me. And Steve Eiserman was another big one. Those three, I would say, were the three, uh, three favorites I had growing up. That's awesome. So I know you weren't a heavyweight, uh, but uh, do you know how many fights you've got in the FHL? I'm sure there's a site a site out there. I think um, was it dropyourgloves.com. Yeah, or hockey uh, fights. But you know, like they count the fights. I mean, there were a lot of other ones that I don't think were counted. But um, I would say at least closer to forty overweight. Right on the money. Forty exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So that's a that's, that's a pretty big number. Do you remember? Obviously, you were a skilled guy when you were playing minor hockey. Chris is just sweat, sweating like a pig right now because it's so hot. Interrogation. Yeah. So, do you remember your first fight? My first fight. A uh, hockey fight, that is. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Not when you were beating up kids uh, on the corner there. <laughs> um, yeah, I do actually. His name was Craig Meyerov, and he played for Hawkesbury, and I was playing for the Canada Stallions. And when junior, like in the C- CJHL back then, if you fought, uh, you get kicked out for the rest of the game, so it's not like you know pro where you can fight and come back out five minutes later. Uh, but I do remember this guy was like six foot four and way bigger than me, uh, and he's a pretty big guy. And he uh, got the best of me. I mean, it was a good tilt and got some good pictures out of it and some good memories. Were you guys wearing cages back then? No, we were visors because um, I was in my last year at junior. But that was my first one, and um, I don't know. I kind of just kind of liked it. <laughs> So, uh, in all your years in the FHL, I, I might know the answer to this one, but what is your fondest memory? In the FHL? Yes, in, your, in the wow. FHL. On the ice or off? Either. Both, both. Why not both? Um, I think, like, winning uh, my second championship in Watertown was super memorable. We had an amazing group of, group of guys. We all got along really well and had a lot of fun. And uh, that was, like, one of the better teams I've ever played on. Um, just really well balanced and so like that championship party was a blast and that whole season was really fun and I guess you weren't a young gun on that team you were uh, more uh, taking on the the leadership role I'm guessing yeah I think I was 24 or 25 at that point I played in the league for a few years so I I was one of the veterans and one of the older guys in the team so uh, that was really fun like I said we had a great group of guys I really enjoyed that year We'll talk about your pro career. Do you remember your nicest goal? And if so, uh, it's, it's not bragging, but uh, l- let's hear it and uh, give us the walkthrough. Yeah, there weren't too many of them, so it's <laughs> not that hard to remember. No, honestly, I don't remember my, <laughs> my my best goal. I think it was playing for the Warriors. I had like kind of like a half end to end kind of thing, and nice. Um, nothing highlight spectacular yeah, no no one timer from the point their no, no uh, overtime goal yeah no nothing like that i think I, I scored a couple ot goals and you know a couple big goals oh, that's pretty special yeah nothing that really like stands out to me i mean i i remember back actually in junior i have more of 
a more fond memory of scoring a goal in junior. It was uh, it was this kid Brody Rafty had cancer and we, he was in the hospital and he was watching the game and like we were playing Pembroke, the best team in the league, and we were like the worst team in the league and we beat we beat them like eight eight four or something like that and I had two goals in the game so I remember like at the end of the game when you know saluting the fans we all kind of like pointed to the camera and um, you know we had. That's like, pretty special. Yeah, and we had had him come in a few times previous to that, like, into our dressing room to talk to the guys and stuff, so we got to know him pretty well. And it was just, like, a really cool moment. Um, so I still have that puck, and that was, like, one of my, you know, most fondest goals, I'd say. That's, that's definitely pretty emotional. Yeah. How's he, how's he doing now? Yeah, he beat it. Um, you know, like, I haven't followed up, and it's, it was a long time ago. No, but was, that's uh, great, though, to hear. Yeah, it's yeah. Good, good to hear. Yeah, for sure. So keeping his spirits up, that was Yeah, that was, awesome. that was that was the thing, right? And he, like, he loved hockey, and, like, our team kind of, like, took him under our wing and um, accepted him and, you know, encouraged him that he was going to, you know, fight the battle, and he was going to come out of it on the, on the positive end of it. And he was a great kid, and it was just a cool moment to be able to, like, beat the best team in the league in our own okay. rink and kind of, like, salute to the to the kids so that's what hockey's all about right for sure so we're gonna jump to a less emotional uh, topic but uh, <laughs> what are some of your funniest memories of the minor leagues and when i say this i mean what are some of the things that are not comparable to the nhl i know you don't want to throw a team under the bus but just some examples of i don't know buses breaking yeah. down or things like that so yeah for sure so i'll start by saying that like i'm extremely grateful for the federal hockey league it gave me an opportunity to play professional hockey and go to school at the same time uh, it also gave me my start in the front office uh, which ultimately led to the creation of the startup and the business that i founded uh, right we're gonna get right into now. that a bit later yeah so uh big shout out to fhl big part of my life although there were some like very tough moments I appreciate them now because I, I know that like going through adverse adversity built resilience in me and uh, you know I persevered through a lot of adversity through my experience in the FHL there was this crazy one time we went on like at one at one point there was four teams in the league one in Watertown Connecticut Ohio and Illinois so pretty much every second weekend we were either going to Ohio or Illinois or both um, so those were like 11 to 14 hour bus trips and then you throw on a snowstorm you're looking at like 15 to 20 and so there was this one trip we went on and um, it was in Dayton and we played the game and then like we were supposed to go to Illinois and our bus broke down and then we were supposed to get this other bus and then you know we got in it and then it wouldn't start so <laughs> like last resort I, got, I don't know where this bus came from but um, my buddy my buddy Joe Pace over uh <laughs> was playing for Illinois uh, yeah, at the name. time. Yeah. yeah, still playing in the league now for Port Huron. But they they found this bus, and it was an ex-prison bus. So, like, I have pictures of it on one of my old phones, but, like, the, the back of the bus had, like, a seat where you'd see, like, the guard holding a shotgun watching over all the prisoners. Like, each seat, like, the armrests wouldn't go up, and they all had, like, like little, like, hooks to like hook your shackles to for the prisoners and it sounds like con air a little bit a hundred percent a hundred percent like the windows apparently they they tested it when they bought the bus they shot a gun at the window they're all bulletproof windows and like it was legit a prison bus so that was right like on. one of the crazy craziest rides i've ever been on i just remember like all the guys were like is this real life like are we no actually kidding. on a prison bus right now this other time um when i was the general manager for the watertown privateers 
Um, we only had like four townhouses. Um, two of them had, sorry, we had three townhouses. Two of them were four bedroom, one was a three bedroom, and we had, you know, up to 20 guys that sometimes like new guys would come in when we were training guys. Some guys didn't leave right away, so there was like never enough beds, and um, eventually there weren't enough rooms even for guys to double up. So the coach and myself, I ended up like giving up my room and he gave up his room and we actually moved into in Watertown there's like a baseball field and uh, right across from the arena and there's like a ticketing booth so um, we had the key to it because that's where we were selling the tickets for the majority of the season and so we actually moved in to the ticket booth and this was like in the middle of winter man so it was like freezing cold I still remember like watching like the snow drafts come under the door and I had a little, like, a little space here so you had to sleep with your coat on or what yeah most nights it was pretty freaking cold but like just like who could ever say that they lived in a ticket booth you know and I did it for the guys so that they would have like a more comfortable experience and like I was just trying to progress my career and I didn't want like there to be a mutiny so and I think that's what the podcast is all about you know just playing for the love of the game I was saying in my previous podcast that uh, a lot of the NHL guys they, they get recognition but uh, some of the guys in the minor leagues they don't they don't and uh, you don't realize the sacrifices they make to play the, the, the love that they the game that they love right totally I mean even like my best friends like while I was playing the league they were called like the FHL like the forgotten hockey league and they're like what are you doing like get a job and like you know, and I was like, dude, like, I'm following my passion. I love Definitely, hockey. and you're getting paid to this play, right? platform where I get paid to play, and, like, I've got my education now, and, like, I can just figure out what I want to do with my life, and that's exactly what I did, and it led to the creation of my startup, so, like, I'm super grateful. Of course, and, and you, you become a stronger person through those experiences, like, too, I believe, so. Um, switching to something else, uh, obviously, you played for uh, multiple teams, like I said in my intro, uh, so five different teams, but... Uh, who was your funniest teammate? And when I say funny, I mean uh, just funny as a comedian. Yeah, I played with so many character guys. There were so many funny guys in the dressing room. And, like, um, I'd have to say, like, my good buddy Dustin Skinner. I hope he hears this because, fuck, I love that kid. Um, no related to Jeff. Not, no relation to Jeff. <laughs> no relation to Jeff. Um, but, like, we just had, like, the stupidest little, like, funniest little traditions and jokes that no one else really like understood about us and like uh was he a defense as well no he was a forward um in which team sorry uh he i played with him uh in watertown for the right. privateers and we just hit it off and like we still talk today actually i'm going to minnesota uh, minneapolis sorry in september and he lives there and so like i'm gonna go stay with him for for the weekend kind of thing while we're doing business in town and that's a hockey um, city yeah for sure and he's a big minnesota wild fan and so he's oh man we had so many good times so many funny stories he's a he's a beauty for sure that's awesome and uh who is uh, the best player you've ever played with or against and actually if you want you can give me both um so and you can you can talk about your junior a days as well i guess but i mean uh maybe your junior a days and your fhl days for sure when i played with the stallions i played with a kid named alan mcpherson and uh, he ended up playing with clarkson and i think he's in the ahl right now and he put up something like 116 points in junior in one year to lead the league on the last place team. So he was a stud. He played penalty kill, power play, everything. And uh, he was a good guy too. And then 
in pro, I would say like Pierre Dagene. I played with him for my first two years in the FHL for Aquasasne, and I have never seen a guy shoot the puck like that. He just like takes these little half clappers, and it's just like most guys um, slap shots and just like could put it anywhere he wanted in the net. And like I just never seen anything like that. Definitely, I actually talked about him in my last podcast a little bit. So. Yeah, and he was a pretty good dude too. He's a pretty funny guy and. Uh, treated me and Ahmed Mafuz, the two rookies, really well. And uh, yeah, I love that guy. And I think like got to play with guys like Dan Tessier and Ahmed Mafuz. And, um, you know, those were, those are some of the better players I played in the league with. And uh, Dajna, like I know he was probably married. Was he a chick magnet when you guys went out to the bars or what? Um, no, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, we, we mostly went to the casino and kind of uh, we were there to have fun with each other and party and stuff like that. And it wasn't about like going to pick up girls. Oh, I don't, I don't mean pick up girls, but girls gravitating towards that crowd. Oh yeah, I mean like I, we used to tell people we played on a, a bowling team or when we go on the road and you know we'd all have our tracksuits on and stuff, and people would be like, "Oh, where do you guys play?" And they're like, "Oh, we're we're a badminton team from uh, from like Ottawa or like you know we'd just mess around with people." <laughs> We had some good times on the road, but yeah, no, for sure. Like people were always interested, and in, you know, we go to a bar and we kind of take over a corner, and uh, kind of usually drew some attention. So that's awesome. So uh, obviously, the podcast, as you know, is called Bucket Drop. Uh, so uh, we're gonna get in a, a bit of uh, fighting talk now. Who's the toughest guy you've ever played with, and can you give me a good story of him just screaming a guy? Played with a uh, guy's name was. Matt Wright, and uh, he was a pretty tough guy. He, uh, you know, that was when we won the championship with the Wolves. He, uh, you know, he would always stand up for the guys and great teammate. Uh, I played probably the toughest guy I played against. I know that's not a question, but uh, it was Anthony Pisano, and this guy was like six foot eight. Um, he just signed back in the FHL, but he spent some time in like. He's back in the FHL. Yeah, he spent some time in the East Coast and. He was playing for the Whalers, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. I remember we had a big dust up one year. Or like, and I ended up on top of him. And you I actually like, fought him? Yeah. Well, I mean, we, oh, were, we got into it. Yeah, we got into it with him. <laughs> yeah, he's um, a scary dude. I've I, I seen some of his fights before. So. Yeah, he's a big dude. There's this other guy named uh, Blair. Uh, I think his last name was Blair. Anyways, he was a tough guy and he was like six foot five. And I remember one time, like, we were in Dayton, Ohio, and we, we got in a fight at the end of the game, and he, like, ripped, like, he broke my helmet, and he ripped by the back of my jersey, like, the collar, like, in half. I, you know, I was like, holy shit, like, how did that happen that fast? I'm <laughs> kidding. So were you a bit of a pest, then, if he was going after you? Or um, I mean, like, I wouldn't say I was a pest. Uh, I would say I, like, always protected my teammates, and I didn't, you know, take shit from anybody, and I think guys respected me for that. I wasn't, like, walking around or skating around like a heavyweight or anything Well, like, like I said, that, 40 fights, so, I mean... <laughs> yeah, but 40, you, you had to do what you had to do, 40 right? fights spread over, like, seven years, No, right? definitely. And that's not that good, but I think that's only, like, five or six fights a year, so, I mean, it kind of averaged out, but, um, yeah, no, and I, like I said, there were some other fights and dust-ups that they really didn't count, but... Um, and you, you played with a scary guy that... I uh, talked about in my last podcast that I turned down a few times was uh, Chase Tippin. Uh, I remember when he was yelling in my face, and I was like, "No, no, thank you, no." Yeah, I so you I had a funny story of him just beating the shit out of someone, or what? Yeah, I mean, I saw him beat up a lot of guys, but then I got I saw him get beat up too. I mean, we were playing this game in uh, Bonnie Castle Resort against Alexander's Privateers, 
and we were playing with Akasasi, and we had like five legitimate heavyweights from the LNAH, like monsters, like awesome guys, but just monsters. And this one guy, Simon Desormo, um, so there was three fights to start the game, back to back to back. We won all three, and the third one this was... This before the puck drop? This or was what? before the puck drop. Like, puck drop, there would be a fight. Yeah, puck yeah, drop, yeah. there would be a fight. So I was on the ice, I had a front row seat to all three of them. Uh, but the last one was Desormo versus Tippin, and I remember it was like maybe 10 seconds into the fight, and Desormo caught him with a punch and like rearranged his nose Jeez. on his face. And like, I just, I've never seen a, a, a guy that big get manhandled so easily by another massive human being. Like, no, it was kidding. crazy to see these two guys going at it. And, um, was Desormo a good hockey player as well? Um, I mean, like, he played a role for sure. <laughs> Um, was he defenseman or no? He was defenseman. Okay. But, I mean, he would get a few shifts a game and he go out and do his job. And like a lot of those guys understand the role that they play, and that's why they're so respected by their their teammates in the league. And so, I wouldn't want to do it every night. You know, you got guys like Pierre Dagen and Dan Tessier out there, and then you know, there's other guys on the other team trying to take exceptions. They're not going to do that with like guys like Desormo in the lineup. Definitely, you know, they won't have it. So definitely. Uh, great guys to play with just because they, they you knew they always had your back i'm sure you've seen a lot of stuff so i know you still love hockey because you live down the road from my place and i saw how many hours you've spent on that rink out there yeah but uh so chris uh, built a, a, a rink outside his house and I, I seen him skating out there a few times but what's your favorite pastime outside of hockey i know you're a big hockey guy but uh, like are, are you a gamer or what's your thing it's a tough question, man. I feel like all I ever do is work, take your on, the, time, work on the business. We can edit this later. So, <laughs> <laughs> Going for one take here. Um, favorite pastime. I I like to like... I mean, I like to golf. I don't get it out as much as I'd like to. Um, just like spend, spending time with friends and... Um, have you played the Cornwall golf uh, at the golf course? Or are you guys? You know, I, I could I could spit at that golf course from my house. It's so yeah, close. Exactly. Uh, but no, I haven't I haven't actually played that course. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to do that. Yeah, definitely. There's uh, a few in Cornwall where you can save money. I heard, but uh, there's some some other decent courses here in, in Cornwall. But I don't know. I guess like um, just spending time with my friends and um, you know like working on the business. That's kind of taken over my life these last two years. So. Which is kind of my next question. So I was gonna say, what what are you gonna tell me? About Tell me a bit about what you're doing after your playing career. So if you want to just jump right into that, that that's uh, you can uh, get your plug in there. For sure. Um, it's actually one of my favorite stories to tell because it is related to hockey. And so I was working demolition. Which is a really good idea, by the way. What's that? Well, your whole your whole, uh, your whole whole idea there and your whole yeah. uh, business. Oh, so. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I was working demolition and I... Had got asked to play for the Cornwall Nationals, this new team that I was playing, and they were being put in the FHL. And so I was like, you know what, screw it. It's a little extra money on the weekends. I could still work my job because I was making cake, uh, doing demolition. So, um, you know, a few games into the season, maybe it was like five or six games in the season, um, like I ended up like breaking my finger, and then um, I wasn't able to play. So I talked to the owner, and I, you know, I told him that like I had worked in the front office for some other teams previously in my career and I was familiar with all the sales and marketing so I asked him if I could take that position so they gave me that position because I went from like making like 13 1400 bucks a week to making zero because I couldn't play uh, for a good eight or nine weeks while my finger healed so 
ended up meeting my co-founder and my girlfriend, Shannon Ferguson. She was doing some of the marketing, but was kind of like one foot out the door. And together we kind of like took things over in the sales and marketing and kind of revamped everything. And then, you know, in the summertime, we were out selling sponsorship and we kept running into the same problem where business owners kept saying, you know, we don't feel like we would get enough out of our sponsorship. We're really looking for a way to promote digitally. We want to be able to track our return on investment and we want to be able to collect customer data. And nothing that we had in our, you know, traditional inventory kit uh, could able could satisfy that need. So we, one night we were frustrated and we were like, what can we do? And we're like, what if we created an app? So that's what we did. We created a mobile app called FanSaves that you can uh, download for free and you can get discounts and deals from the sponsors of your favorite teams. Um, so you, you know, you open your phone when you're at a store that's on the app or a restaurant. Uh, you click redeem and you show like a traditional coupon to the cashier or the point of purchase and uh, the deal is taken off uh, the POS system by the by the establishment and it's all tracked in a dashboard um, provided by Fansafe so that sponsors can actually log in in real time and they can see all the date of re the redemptions um, and they can also see customer analytics like gender, primary location and age demographic so they can make more informed marketing decisions. And then the team can oversee all of their sponsors so they can actually see how all of their sponsors are performing. Um, and this, you know, sports tech is blowing up right now. Uh, everyone is demanding ROI and to be able to collect customer data. And we're really at the forefront of that. So it's a really exciting industry to be in. And we've had a lot of like really great early traction so far. So it's been a fun ride. I've used it a few times. Uh, it's uh, a great app. And, uh, just uh, going on the funny side of things, uh, what's your favorite guilty pleasure movie? And please don't say Rudy. Like sports or just in general? Uh, just in general, whatever. Oh. You can go Christmas movie, you can say whatever you want. Can it be a TV show? No, nah, it's got to be a movie. Um, Is it going to be 90 Day Fiance? No, The Notebook, no. <laughs> um, so, so many good ones. I have to say like, some of my favorites are Varsity Blues, um, Old School, anything with... That's not a guilty pleasure, though. Those are good good, good flicks. Well, like, define guilty pleasure. I mean, like, uh, like, a, like chick a chick flick, flick or uh, anything like that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Shannon likes to watch The Bachelor, and then when The Bachelor ends, it's like, now there's a season of Bachelor in Paradise, and, like, you know, it's like two, three times a week, and, you know, we spend a lot of time together anyway, so... Um, you know, I end up having I'm a casualty of like having to watch The Bachelor sometimes. Like, a whole not too many people listen to this podcast and didn't hear me say that, but um, you know, sometimes I'm a guilty by association, I guess. Are you the same kind of guy as me? You like the first episodes of the show? Yeah, I guess. I mean, like the one uh, with all the drama, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the best chirp you've ever heard towards you? Where you almost had to laugh because it was funny. So I have freckles, and some guy. I don't see them right now. Yeah, they've kind of faded. Like as they like come a, out in summer, right? Like when yeah, it's really nice. when I get a tan, and you yeah. know, as I've gotten older, they faded. But um, a guy told me once that it looks like someone threw shit at me through a screen door. <laughs> I always thought I couldn't even be mad. I was like, yeah, that's actually pretty clever. I don't know, like I. I had red, I have red hair. I kind of got chirped for being a ginger, I guess. 
I don't know, like, for most of my career, like, I rocked a pretty nasty mustache, and, like, a lot it of was guys, pretty, Can you still grow it? Can you still grow that, that, that thing? Oh, what? yeah, it comes in real thick. Yeah. But you know what, like... I know you're getting older, so that's why I'm asking. It's, I pulled a white hair the other day, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah, I can kind of see them a Don't say bit. that. Yeah, <laughs> you too, buddy. <laughs> no, but, like, guys, all, like, I'd line up for a face-off, and the guy would turn to me and be like, dude... That's a badass mustache. Definitely. Like, thanks, man. Yeah. Like, honestly, I didn't get chirped that much in my career. I think one guy knew I would just drop the mitts. I didn't give a shit. And two, like I think I was respected in the league, not only for my facial hair, but like I just held people accountable. And like I wasn't a dirty player. And I obviously had won a couple championships. So I think guys really had nothing to chirp me. I'd turn around and be like, yeah, okay, I got two rings you. Like, if you were on a desert island and food supplies and water were not an issue, what is the one thing that you'd like with you? And don't say your girlfriend. Or What's the one thing? You got no Wi-Fi, by the way. I'm stuck on an island. I have no Wi-Fi, no girlfriend. Exactly. These are rapid-fire questions. What do, I, what do I want or what yeah. do I wish I had? Yeah, exactly. Like a guitar or what? So I tried to play guitar one summer. Uh, I tried to pick it up. I don't know. I have like long, lanky fingers. But it didn't work out for me. I, I don't know. I couldn't. Never seen everybody. Yeah, I know. Still time. What would I bring? Um, can I bring beer? You didn't say I couldn't bring beer. I don't know, dude. Like, um, yeah, this is really tough. Like, if I can't have my phone, which I spend like there's no seventy percent of my day on, what else do I need? Like, <laughs> Game Boy or something? <laughs> what would I bring? What would you are bring? You, are you a gamer? Or know, what? Uh, not really. I'd bring. I'd bring my guitar. That's what I would do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Serenade hopefully a boat's gonna, crabs on the oh, beach. Hopefully right? a boat's gonna come by, and uh, you know, I'll be the Party next. Uh, I'll be the next big thing when I come back. What about like a volleyball? Like it'd be cool to like volleyball. hang out with a volleyball. I, I was thinking that you were gonna say like a stick and a ball, like or a something like Wilson. that. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I'm not getting an answer on this one, right? Okay, I got it. I would bring flint. Flint. I love like fires, like okay. having like a casual fire with friends, or yeah, you yeah. know, just hanging out by the fire and. There's actually this conference that my co-founder Shannon and I are going to uh, in a couple weeks called Fireside Conference, and it's yeah. like completely off the grid, but they have all these like fireside chats, and it's like 400 entrepreneurs, investors, and people from the tech community all get together, and it's okay. like an incredible time. So if I could bring anything to a deserted island, I'd at least want to have a fire. No, that's pretty smart. And I could make like squirrel hot dogs or something definitely i'd probably freeze to death with my <laughs> guitar so anyways what would you do if you found out that you had only 24 hours to live i go skydiving <laughs> i go rocky mountain climbing yeah so 24 hours there bud oh my god 24 hours i don't even know like these are tough questions i know i'm putting you on the spot really man. Tough questions this is a bucket drop baby eh? we're not fucking around it's on my bucket list. I, I've always wanted to go to Machu Picchu. Um, could you get there? In Peru. Could you, could you get there in 24 hours? I think so. I'd yeah. have to like run up the mountain. But um, I was always like really intrigued and interested in like ancient civilizations and, um, you know, like ex exploring the world and stuff like that. Like a few couple months ago, we got to go to Berlin for this like big startup competition. And Berlin's awesome, eh? It's incredible. And that was like actually my first time out of North America. I really like committed my whole life to playing competitive hockey and there wasn't a lot of times where you know like I got to go on a vacation I played summer hockey I played ball hockey I played winter hockey I played high school hockey you know I was just always playing hockey so I never really got the chance to travel and, and are you a big minute. world war ii fan 
Yeah, I mean, well, like, fan, Band I mean, of Brothers, like, like yeah, no, for sure, that was fucking flag, awesome, like, definitely. You know, like, old war movies like that, there's one that came out called Fury, I don't know if you saw it. Yeah, I did, I did. Pretty gnarly, and, um, I don't World know. World War II is my thing, I, I'm a nerd, I, I, I watch all that stuff. There was, like, this huge, huge, like, abandoned, uh, apartment building, I guess it was, and on the side it said, Stop Wars Now, and it had been, like, abandoned since, like, the war era, and it was just, like, crazy, like, being in a, a country where like that happened you know like definitely like i don't know just like you read about it you read about it you hear about it but then you're finally there, you're on, there on the grounds you know we're at checkpoint charlie and we're seeing all this history in the For berlin sure. wall museum and everything's there and it was like I was you like, see families like us separated from that wall dude it's, it's it wild. pretty wild but yeah no i don't i guess like seeing more of the world i guess is on my bucket list it's definitely something that like we get to travel a lot because of our our startup we're going to like i said minneapolis we're going to memphis in october we might be going to london also in october and then you know we're back and forth to toronto and ottawa all the time so we get to do some really cool things and see some really cool places but that's uh i would say if i had 24 hours i'd i'd want to travel and see some of the world don't blame you do it while you're young right youngish i mean 30 years young right Ah, you still look young so um if you can go back and be any age you want to be for a month what would you choose this is a question that i i do with my buddies a lot what age would i go back to honestly i had the best like high school experience i went to colonel by in ottawa and like had some really great friends played on the high school hockey team all four years so i was captain of you know that team for a couple years and so many fond memories from high school i had so many great friends and um you know not I mean, I, I was popular because, you know, I played for the high school team. and Good luck, yeah. Rugged good looks, of course. Yeah, for but, sure. Um, you know, like, I... Did you have your full beard back then, too, or what? Yeah, you know, like, I was one of the only kids in high school that had, like, a legit full beard. I was a late bloomer, so I didn't have anything like that. I got into a lot of bars underage, which is great. I had a great. dirty mustache. That's pretty much what I had. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Like, yeah, yeah. You remind me of, like, Sidney Crosby, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I'm I'm the same way. If I can go back to high school uh, for a month, I mean, not I, I'm I'm happy with my life, but I mean, for a month, that'd be fun, you know. Totally, for sure. And there's, I I, I don't know, like you know, people always say, like, oh, I have so many regrets. Like I don't, like I don't even know, like if I would do anything over. I just I was like kind to everyone, and like you know what I found, like that's really come back to me. I just I was at an event about three months ago and took a picture with like five people that had graduated from like you know but between the time that i was there and they were all in the entrepreneurial tech ecosystem um, and we got a picture together and it was really cool because like these are people that you know i didn't really necessarily hang out with but i still had a good relationship because like i was like kind to everybody and i always took the time to talk to people no matter like what walk of life or like who they were at the school or what their like status was like i just i felt like i could talk to anyone i I'm very proud of that because, like, I hung out with people that were bullies, like, on you know, it just is what it is, and I, I feel like I was dragged into that a little bit, but I was never me, and I'm just ranting now, but I really did love high school. No, that's, and, uh, that, that's, that's a good thing, though. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, like, you, that, that stuff comes back and bites you in the ass later on in life, sure. too, sometimes. You know, I, sure. I, I believe in karma anyways. So. I just had a buddy reach out, and that works at Facebook, and... You know, he's like, hey, like, I got a guy that might be able to help you, and he's connecting with me. He's That's connecting awesome. him with me. And this was, like, 
You Imagine know. working there, fucking Facebook. Yeah, I mean, like, that's obviously awesome. And Taking stuff. a slide to go for lunch? Yeah, <laughs> or even eating lunch, you know, like, <laughs> start up life. No, but, like, that's just an example of, like, you know, that relationship that I built in high school and that I still have to today, you know, like, it's... It, learned, it, it taught me a lot about life, like, always treat people with respect, and, like, you never know how it's going to come back to you, right? So Definitely. I kind of always have lived my life that way. And even when you were playing in the FHL, I mean, I followed you on Facebook, and I know you gave a lot back, and, you know, you uh, did a lot of charity work when you were playing with these different teams, and yeah, I, I mean, re- I think that's what's important with hockey, right? You you got to use your uh, the platform, your position. Yeah, and exactly. And, you know, I think that's, like, part of my brand, my personal brand, and it's always been a part of my story is to give back and kind of help others. And it's exactly what you just said. I'm in a position to help people. And exactly. Showing up to a 10-year-old's birthday party makes that kid's night, you know, then I've just made a kid's night where other guys are at home. And it's a high you can't get in any other way. Yeah, you know, and for me, it was that personal, like, I just, um, I don't know, that personal feeling that you have when you feel, like, rewarded, you know? Exactly. Morally, like, happy, you know? Definitely. I'm giving back and I'm contributing. And they look up to you and everything else. Yeah, for sure. If you could be a professional athlete in any sport, what sport would you choose? And I know you're probably thinking in your head hockey, but uh, just think outside the box for a sec. You know, I watch the Olympics, and I see those pole vaulters, and I, I don't understand it. I think it's crazy. No, I wouldn't want to be a pole vaulter. I'm just intrigued. Um, I used to be, like, fairly... I thought you were going to say baseball or something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up playing a lot of sports. I played baseball, I played golf, played all kinds of hockey, played a, like, a little football, like, recreationally. Um, I don't know. I've always been intrigued by tennis. I, I played a little bit of tennis in high school, and, like... You know, I just think, like, it's one of those sports where if you practice a lot, you can get really good. And, um, yeah, I saw my first... Definitely a fun sport to play. It's definitely fun. Yeah. And I got to see... Good my, workout, too. It's a good workout. I got to see my first professional tennis match, like, three weeks ago. Got in to Montreal? See, in Toronto for the Rogers Cup. I got to see Serena Williams play. And wow. I got to see her win. And that was probably, like... That was She's a legend. Legend. I got to see a tennis legend play, right? So that was really cool. And for my first match, I really enjoyed it, so... Um, I don't know. There's a lot of great sports out there. Like I'm really intrigued by cricket. You look at like the the Indian market um, in India. It's, it's a massive, massive sport. You know, like everybody, just like hockey is here. No, in, for sure, in Canada, yeah. and because we're kind of in a closed box, right? Yeah. We don't understand uh, Australia. The magnitude of these sports. So. Yeah, and you know, like one point. I think there's like one point three billion people in in India. That's insane. They get like 80,000, 90,000 people to a, a cricket match, you know? Like, that's like four times more than an NHL game or even more than four times more on average. It's crazy. For sure. Well, anyways, Chris, I want to thank you a lot for your time, man. Uh, this is our first episode with a guest. And, uh, yeah, take care of your case and bucket drop. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me.